The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the final episode of Season 2 of Star Trek Picard called Farewell. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, be sure to stick around to the end of the episode. We're going to have some of your listener feedback on some things we've been talking about. Uh, be sure to share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow this community of Star Trek fans as so much new Star Trek stuff is coming out. There's lots to talk about, and I'm sure uh, other Trekkie fans want to hear about it. That will help us reach more listeners. I want to tell you about another show on the network you're sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Doctor Who. If you're a Doctor Who fan, check it out wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who. So, Jimmy, as we talk about this last episode of uh, Star Trek Picard Season 2, can you give us a recap of what happens? No, because Father uh, Father Corey is oh, going right. to have to leave at some point, yep. so he's going to summarize <laughs> his thoughts on the whole season, and then I'll summarize this episode. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So, so I, I, I got something me. I have to yeah. I have to hard out at some point during this episode, most likely. So, uh, so I just wanted to take a quick you know second, just kind of give my general impressions because I'm sure Jimmy and Dom will do the same at the end. Uh, and you know, I will say I generally enjoyed it. I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as season one, but I generally enjoyed it. Uh, some things I like better. Uh, one thing I wasn't a a fan of kind of the pacing of it because it started out, you know, very strong, very, you know, action and moving the story along. And then it dragged for five or six episodes. And then the last two episodes were, Oh, now we got to clean up all our trouble and get it all, all taken care of. And they really compressed the story uh, in like basically the first two episodes and the first two or the last two episodes. I mean, kind of, in my, my opinion, if they had done a five episode season and cut out a lot of the middle episodes, it actually wouldn't a really good story. You know, and again, you know, for uh, for the season, but all in all, I enjoyed it. Very derivative of Star Trek four, however, because we, we pointed that out, you know, there's these this scene very much was lifted from Star Trek four. This is a nod to Star Trek four. Uh, so I, I think they derived a lot from that and, and kind of disappointed. Of course, we didn't get to see a lot of the, the usual spaceships and, you know, different planets and stuff like that. But in general, I, I really did enjoy it. I, I thought it was a you know fairly decently done season. I just I would like to have seen them make some other choices. So Thank that's you. kind of my little five minute spiel. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, Jimmy and I will give our uh, impressions and at the end. Father but, Corey is suffering from time compression because it's no, five two minutes. minutes. Yeah, it only took two <laughs> minutes. But OK. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Good job. Uh, all right, Jimmy. Now, can we have that recap of the episode? Last time, Queen Agnes led left a mysterious message for Picard. For their mission to succeed, there must be two Rene Picards, one who lives and another who dies. This time, the gang discovers that Adam Sung has two backup plans to stop Rene from going to Europa. One is back at his high-tech bachelor pad, where he's got a bunch of drones primed to shoot down the spaceship. But Seven, Rafi, and Crystal Ball seize control of the drones after they're launched and play smash-up derby with them. Uh, the second backup plan is at the launch site where Sung finagles his way into meeting Renee and then kills her with a neurotoxin. Only it isn't Renee, it's Talin who is pretending to be her using her changeling tech. Now thwarted at 18 minutes into the episode, Sung goes back to his high-tech bachelor pad where he discovers his estranged clone daughter Corey is remotely deleting all his files. Wesley Crusher shows up, and he's now a traveler, who we learn are a time protection squad employing people like Supervisor Talin. Uh, Wesley appears to Corey in a park and recruits her into the travelers. Back at Chateau Picard, the Admiral puts the skeleton key in its hidey hole so he can find it as a little boy hundreds of years in the future, thus accepting his fate. Q then shows up and explains what this has all been about, getting Picard to accept and forgive himself for what happened to his mother. He explains that he doesn't want Picard to die alone, and although it will kill him, 
Q is willing to send the gang back to the future as his final act. Crystal Ball stays behind with cute Dr. Teresa and her son. The gang then appears on the bridge of the Stargazer, where Picard orders the ship's self-destruct to stop. Queen Agnes is revealed as the new Borg Queen, and she informs them that there is a huge, gigantic galactic thingamabob that is about to explode, and they need to harmonize the entire fleet's shields to stop it from destroying the quadrant. They do this and realize they've just seen the birth of a weird transwarp corridor. The Borg don't know who built it, but they say it's connected to a mysterious threat of some kind, so there's our hook for Season 3. The Borg request provisional membership in the Federation and stay to guard the opening of the transwarp corridor. We then have a scene where Old Guinan catches up with Picard and the gang at her bar, and our final scene is at Chateau Picard, where the Admiral is in the process of patching up his would-be romantic relationship with Laris, and we don't even get to see them kiss. The end. Mm, Very disappointing. Uh, (laughs) So credit to Jimmy, who predicted basically how the plot of uh, the episode would go, that Talyn would assume the identity of Renee and be the the second Renee who and would sacrifice herself. So I I give you credit for that. I would I would say, you know, Chris staying behind was pretty much telegraphed from the, you know, the moment the two ran into each other. He ran into the hospital there with. Teresa. So and that, that was predicted. And that the queen would turn out to be the Borg queen turned out to be Agnes was pretty clear from the moment that they merged back in episode what for something or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so yep. the, the, there wasn't a lot of surprises in this final. I mean, it just kind of went according to how you expected it to go. So mm-hmm. the, the closest thing to a surprise was Q's motives. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly what he was trying to do here. Yeah. I, I want to talk about that. Um, well, let's talk about it now, because that's that's the really the big surprise and the big thing. And father can get Father Corey's impression as well, mm. which is I it was kind of a shocker, but not a huge shocker by the end of the season. But that Picard just see I mean, Q sees Picard as his friend and he's mm-hmm. wanting to yeah. do like because they've always been this sort of antagonist thing. Although Q has always sort of told Picard, you know, uh, even though I disdain you for being a tiny little amoeba like species. Um, there's a connection and it was always clearly my favorite amoeba. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and, but he sees him as a friend and there's this clear affinity between Q and Picard, which will, which kind of explains everything that from their Mm -hmm. first moment at Farpoint. Well, there was, there was a video uh, that was put out a couple of months ago before the season even started that, Basically talked about Q. This was on a YouTube video, but, you know, mm-hmm. guy just kind of going back through all the Q episodes and, and basically showing Q that he's while he's a trickster and while he's, you know, he he does the jokes and he does the, the pranks and everything. He's doing it from a benevolent, not malevolent, but benevolent position. Right. That he's actually doing it. You know, like, for example, he introduces, you know, the episode where he knocks the Enterprise into the Delta Quadrant so they can run into the Borg for the first time. Right. That actually was to warn Starfleet and to give them time to prepare for the Borg coming. Mm-hmm. Things yeah. like that. And you it's know, framed so, that way in the episode. It's like, you have yes. no idea what's out there. Here's a glimpse. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's taking everything he did, including the trial, was actually for the good of humanity and eventually Picard himself, as we see Mm -hmm. in this episode, but you know, and so it really isn't when you look at his character that way, it isn't that big of a surprise, but still it it is a different way of doing it. Yeah. He says, you know, he, Q says he's dying alone and he doesn't want that for, for Picard. He sees, because he's going to leave Picard now and he's almost like, I, I'm going to, I'm not going to be around to help you anymore. And I want you to have a better life than what you're living. So I've been trying to teach you this lesson about absolve yourself, forgive yourself of what you've, of what you did as a child that you're not really responsible for. Um, and, and like I said, for all his tormenting of Picard, he really did see him as a friend. Yeah. yeah, and and I've, like I said at the beginning of of this season, Picard is always judged Q way too harshly. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. he's annoying, but no, he's not the he he's not he's not the malevolent guy you think he is. He's he's can he and he doesn't lie to you. He does right. annoying things, but he does not lie. And they're constantly assuming he's lying and up to no good, and he's just he's just on the spectrum. 
You know, he, <laughs> right. he, he's he, he needs to work on his people skills, but he's a good guy. Um, the um, uh, one of the things that I liked is and they they hung a lantern on this. They turned it around at the end, the whole I don't want you Picard to die alone. And the fact he's going to send them to the future is going to kill him is uh, Picard points out, well, you're not actually dying alone either. And he gives yeah. him a big hug. And that's nice. I really like that. Although there's there's some ambiguity. They left themselves a way to bring him back if they want. Um, because since Crystal Ball stays, he says, oh, well, then I've got a little more energy. And they kind of imply that he uses that to bring Elnor back. But I don't know mm -hmm. why he would need to do that because... They reset the timeline. Elnor should not die. Yeah. As, you know, if they don't blow up the fleet, which is the first thing Picard does right. is say, let's not blow up the fleet, um, then Elnor will still be alive. Um, and there's also a line at the end where he's just about to send him to the future and he says, I'll see you out there. And that's yeah. that's a door that they could exploit to bring him back if they want. Mm. Well, Elnor did say when the, the he showed up on on. Uh, video yeah. chat that he did remember dying. So they, I mean, they tied themselves to that. They didn't have to, but they did. Yeah. Elrond lives. So <laughs> uh, let's jump back to the beginning of the episode uh, and talk about how oh, it started. Let's jump back a little further because, okay. um, because last episode when Queen Agnes is make or when Agnes is making her pitch to the queen about let's build a kinder, gentler collective. One of the things she says is let's build a collective of sevens. Right. And she mm -hmm. she talks about how unique Seven is. And mm -hmm. in the gap um, between last week and this, I happened to watch uh, Dark Frontier, which was a two-part Voyager episode that deals with Seven and her relationship with the collective. Mm -hmm. And in that, the queen tells, they kind of retcon Seven's origin, and the queen tells Seven that she was sent to humanity to learn about him. So they they engineered her Voyager mm -hmm. taking her on board. And so they they wanted a drone that could become edu more educated about humanity to facilitate humanity's assimilation. And um, and now that she's back with the collective, they don't want to turn her into a drone again. Mm -hmm. They want her to be an individual um, mm -hmm. because that will help them with their evil plan. Um, but Seven was set up, even in Voyager, to be a uniquely a unique former individualistic Borg from the Borg's perspective, they wanted her to be that. So she she wasn't just what she thought she was, which is just a typical drone. And I thought that shed some additional light on Agnes's let's build a collective of more individual mm -hmm. people, not just drones, but like seven. Mm -hmm. And so that was there in the original Voyager series. Also, seven's parents were complete idiots. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. um, that, that, oh, yeah. wow. Were they stupid? I yeah. mean, beaming Borg drones on their ship to study them with their tiny daughter standing right there yep. waiting to be assimilated. Yes. Okay. This is this, these <laughs> child protective services seriously needs to get involved in this situation. Too yeah. late. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah they're they kind of like the like weird hippies who went to Africa to study uh, silverback gorillas and, you know, living among yeah. them and end up getting killed by them. <laughs> I, I was thinking more of the guy that went up to Alaska and got eaten by the bears that he was living with. Right, right, right. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ideal, ideal, idealists, uh, shall we say. Yeah. Um, but back back at this at beginning of this episode, we start with this great down the gantry shot where we're at the Europa mission oh, launch yeah. site and we zoom, oh, yeah. we have this aerial shot and zoom down the gantry, which is re a nice, really fun shot that you don't see every day. Well, it's also reminiscent of the Gary seven uh, mm -hmm. shot from yep. Simon mm -hmm. Earth. We see that yeah. rocket in a very similar way. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm not saying it didn't look like SpaceX's heavy lifting state uh rocket but it looked like spacex's heavy lifting <laughs> rocket and also i i love getting to see uh because the gary seven episode was a rip um assignment earth was yeah. a rip off of doctor who yeah um mm -hmm. so that gene roddenberry could start a doctor american doctor who series and so yeah. i always love seeing Talin using her sonic screwdriver to like <laughs> beam them back to the pad and stuff 
we we do get this scene at the very beginning where they're in the chateau and right, Picard yeah. is making this point that there was that family lore of the chateau getting shot up as the family took back the the chateau from the Nazis in World War Two, and those bullet holes from the the special forces drones are actually the bullet holes. So therefore, yep. we're on the right track. We've set things back to where they're supposed to be so far. So that's interesting. A little bit of uh, information mm-hmm. there. Yeah, Rios is also collecting all of their futuristic tech so they won't leave any of it behind. No butterflies. No butterflies. And um, they never explain what happened to the bodies of the Borg, how they got rid of them. (laughs) Well, they probably put them on board this La Serena. Well, Queen Queen left. Um, She beam them aboard, maybe? uh, They don't establish that. Yeah. Headcanon. Yeah, because some of them got beamed into walls. I mean, some of them, like <laughs> they three still of them there? did. That's going to yeah. make some interesting yeah. uh, future when they rebuild Chateau Picard into a winery. Mm-hmm. Some future construction <laughs> workers to going down in there. I am not going back down in those tunnels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Talyn gets this haunted look on her face when the two Renee's problem comes up. And that's when Picard figures out what she's going to do, that she's going to kill herself. And he forbids it. And of course, she tells her, and good for her, my fate is not yours to decide. Yeah. Dude, my life, okay? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and and you clearly he's got is conflicted because she looks exactly like Laris because on Star Trek, uh, ancestors and descendants always look exactly alike. Right, Jimmy? Lot, lots <laughs> of dominant genes in the Star Trek universe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You shared a video with us of, of uh, where somebody did a compilation of uh, of of Star Trek episodes where descendants and ancestors look exactly like. And Star Trek's not alone in this. Doctor Who does this as well. So, oh yeah. Um, so we have this. Oh yeah, like with Dodo Chaplet, um, because they eventually right. establish. Um, uh, I mean, like hundreds of years later, after the French Revolution, she still looks identical. <laughs> right. Or, or uh, the descendant looks identical. The one we talked about recently uh, that's uh, it's not out yet, which is um, where Orson Danny Pink, Pink yeah. and Orson Pink look, are the same actor. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. So we have uh, the astronauts. Who, apparently Vandenberg Air Force Base is where this is launching from. That's my head because mm-hmm. it's in California. And mm-hmm. they, the astronauts are, for some reason, they're breaking quarantine on the day of launch, having only been in quarantine for a day, I'm not sure this is, they understand how quarantine works. Yeah. <laughs> Picard, no. given that we've all been in quarantine for two years, uh, you'd think they'd know better. But anyway, uh, Sung <laughs> decoys the the rest of the team to his house where they, they are, have to stop the, the drones, his backup plan of the suicide drones. Um, Which they that are stop remarkably easily yeah yeah well i don't understand why he's got this recording of himself talking there like they're not they're gonna know he's not there as soon as they enter the house so to delay (laughs) to just to delay that's the only thing i can think of it's yeah meanwhile sung is at the uh at the 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 the, uh, launch base that the launch um Acting like an ass. I'm sorry, but. Oh, yeah. wow. Isn't he? As if any amount of donation to whatever it is that's funding this mission would get you the opportunity to break quarantine protocol and 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 act like an entitled ass toward the people in charge. <laughs> like, as, as, I was going to say, in the real world, they would have said, well, here's your money back. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find other sources. Here, Thanks. Here's, bye. Here's the door. I mean, a mission like this would cost billions like to, to Europa like how much could he have possibly have given to fund this so anyway that's again mm-hmm. it's the real I world call, yeah yeah I called what he was going to do which was use uh use a poison that he would have on his hand so that when he, mm-hmm. he now he didn't end up shaking her hand which yeah. is what I thought he was going to do but instead he puts his hand on the side of her face right to transfer right. the toxin but I predicted like he's got a little protective rubber barrier glued to his palm with toxin on it and that's how it's gonna that's how he's gonna yeah. kill her and we've it's like yep that's what happened we've seen that many times in various uh spy shows doctor who um mm-hmm. yep. you know, that sort of thing so I, uh, I was kind of surprised they wrap up his threat in the first 18 minutes yes and yes. then the ship blasts off and that part of the story is done well, like we were saying before, and actually uh, some listeners have, uh, were saying, there's a whole lot to wrap up in this one episode, and they yeah, needed to yeah. move fast, and they did. Uh, we did get that scene where Talyn finally gets to talk to Renee in person and mm-hmm. makes this connection of who she is, has been throughout her life. Uh, they they try to do the misdirection so that we don't really know it's it's not Renee getting poisoned. 
But, you know, everyone knew. I mean, but that was pretty quick, though. Anyways, you know, she's talking to Renee, goes out, gets poisoned and dies in about five minutes. Mm -hmm. And in that time, Renee went to the shuttle or went to the the booster, got in and took off. Yeah. Yeah. Again, not not realistic, but whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But as as it. as the ship, as the rocket takes off, that's when Picard tells Talyn to look up this line that we keep hearing that his mm-hmm. mother would tell him that Queen Agnes tells him on the bridge of the Stargazer, this look up. Uh, and now while Sung rages, Corey Cor- is using uh, remote access VPN protocols to delete all those files, which is why you always need offsite <sighs> backups, folks. <Yeah. laughs> Come on. And not only do you need to back up your data with like Duh. Yeah. Um, but if you detect that files are being deleted from your computer as you're as as you're looking at it, you do not start typing on your computer to try to stop the deletion. You unplug yeah. the machine Pull immediately. The yes. Turn yeah. off your Wi-Fi. <laughs> Turn off the cable modem. Right. Turn it all off. Uh, you should have offsite backup. You should have a drive that's disconnected and in a drawer and then you'll be fine. Yeah. Right. Uh, Welcome so, to Secrets of Technology. Exactly. You yeah. can you learn more about We've all this about stuff that. on the Secrets of Technology. We've talked about backups a lot. So uh, once all his data is gone, um, no pun intended, he uh, pulls opens up a drawer, Whoa. pulls up a hard copy file of something called Project Khan. And thus we have Khan Noonien Singh. And it's it says it's a confidential funding report dated June seventh, nineteen ninety six. Right, which is con- and and I and nothing ever happens with this. This is the last we see of Adam Sung. Yeah, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, he goes out on this looking at this file of Project Khan, implying he's going to do something with it. And right. um, and I suspect he may be behind the threat for season three. Oh. Because we know Brent Spiner is involved. Yeah. Um, we've got this transwarp corridor that is tied to um, to something. Yeah. And why does it show up at the same place that the Borg who, uh, who have showed up? And he's re- he had this deal with Queen Agnes. And I'm suspecting he may be the threat or b- be behind the threat that we're going to see in season three. That it's he, creates, a poss- Khan, he creates whatever or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, except Khan is left Earth in the 90s. I'm and not sure that we're stick that they're going to stick with that continuity, though. I, I'm not sure they are either. Yeah. But if so, they're replaced. Um, yeah. It's the natural way to read it is this is something left over. Right. From the eugenics right. wars that occurred in the nineties. Now they've complicated that, but and we'll have to see where it goes. But one way or another, I suspect that that they may pick this up in season three, and he may be behind the threat. Mm. You know, and it's it's clear that Corey and all the other experiments he's been doing came from that project in the first place. You mm-hmm. know, the, the research right. started with that, but and so this could be just say he's starting all over again. Right. Yeah. But. Okay, let's talk about our big cameo appearance in this episode. We have the appearance of Will Wheaton as Wesley Crusher. And I hate to say it, but I, I saw him more as Will Wheaton than as Wesley Crusher by this point. <laughs> yeah. I see Will Wheaton like it, it, as himself so often uh-huh. that he's more Will exactly. Wheaton than Wesley because he's an adult now. So and he wasn't as annoying as Wesley was. Yeah. You're saying he's more man than machine now. <laughs> yes, more man <laughs> than annoying boy now. Um, so he shows up as a traveler. To Corey to invite her as his companion to uh, on the TARDIS to go and save the space time yeah. continuum. Uh, the travelers are in charge of the supervisor, so that's we now we're really getting an idea of who the watchers are, what they're about. They're he talks about the tapestry of the time space continuum is always a threads pull away from annihilation, and they're there to stop that uh, annihilation. We've seen the time cop thing a lot, especially like in Enterprise, yeah. uh, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that there are. There are and beings Voyager. And, right in yep. Voyager beings and organizations out there trying to keep time travel from destroying everything. So after uh, all, he told a joke and changed the century. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, change right. a century on a planet. Right. Uh, so uh, and so he invites you to come and be a watcher, which is interesting. And again, I don't think they're actually going to do anything with that in the in the series. They might. They might, but uh, they might because they've they've had this actress playing Corey uh, in the first two seasons, 
They they if, so she if, Corey if, yeah yeah if yep. Sung is behind the thread in season three his daughter might get involved. That's true. That's true. If, if he's if he's we, we, could, we could see a, a Soji Corey meetup at some point. Right. We we also could have Wesley come back to reunite all the gang from, and he might bring Corey with him. I think if they go, if they, we've heard that the we've been told by the producers that they're bringing back the original TNG crew for season three. They have to bring Wesley back. Um, and frankly, they don't have to. Uh, well, I mean, have to as an <laughs> uh, from my point of view as a moral thing. They they really mm. if they're going to reunite the crew, they've got to bring Wesley. And is my point is, well, is my thought. This this wasn't just a cameo. I mean, th- th- there's there's obviously more plans for Wesley in this than just. Yeah, mm. I would like to see. Yeah, no, actually, this is what I was going to say. I felt good about Wesley showing up. I was yeah. one of those people back in the day who like, oh, Wesley's annoying. But I really, I, I, my, I moderated my stand on it, especially given the things that Will Wheaton has said about behind the scenes and how, mm-hmm. how it was for him on the set. Uh, but I really, I'm, I'm glad Wesley was there, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. the rest of the crew. I'm, I'm glad Wesley was there too. It was, it just seemed very abrupt. He shows up, he gives his recruitment pitch, and yeah. then yep. they're out of the show for this <laughs> right. season, right? If if he does if he does come back for season three, there has to be a shut up Wesley somewhere. <laughs> there has to be. Yes, yes, there has to be. Uh, I I thought Wesley's character arc in Next Gen, I mean, he started as a very annoying character, and then they started to redeem him. Yeah, and as the writing got better, and and then they when he went to Starfleet Academy, things things were at a at a high point for him, and then they ruined it. In his final appearance, where he mm. decides to go off and become a traveler, and we actually have Beverly Crusher delivering a line like, be sure and keep bundled up on those higher dimensions and stuff. And <laughs> and, yeah. and you had this, he, he basically became a space hippie. Um, and, and then we saw, we didn't see him again until... Um, until the last of the next gen movies where he is a yep. guest at the yep. wedding reception right. for, for Riker and, uh, and Troy. Um, but he doesn't have any lines. And so there's no explanation for, okay, weren't you going to higher dimensions? But apparently they, he's, he's integrated that into his life now. And I can, it, I didn't like the way they handled it, but I think this kind of redeems it. Yeah. Right. It gives him because, purpose. Yeah. yeah. So I, I seem to recall with, with, with Nemesis, there was a cut scene that was going to have him kind of explain how he traveled for a while and then mm-hmm. decided to go back to Starfleet. But yeah, I, I remember hearing about that at the time. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, it's entirely possible that they're going to, even if he's not in season three of Picard, that they they may incorporate this whole idea of the travelers into a new series at some point, because we've still got the Section 31 series that mm-hmm. they've talked about coming mm-hmm. and, uh, and other things like that. So it could be they've got other other plans as well. Gene Roddenberry's <laughs> got his backdoor pilot. Yep, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say Roddenberry's going to get his Doctor Who spinoff anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, the rest of the crew is hanging around the Chateau thinks that they're stuck in the 21st century and they're not getting and back. S- and Seven has a great line. It's like, how does money work? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, uh, as you mentioned, Picard is in that hallway hiding the skeleton key that he will find as a child that will let his mother out of the room and where she will then kill herself. Yeah, uh, only that key surely doesn't stay there for 400 years. That is not um, hidden that well. <laughs> yeah. And, and even if it were, I mean, if I own the house and I have a, a bedroom with a door and I don't have a key for it, I'm going to have a locksmith come in and make a new key. Well, it might be like like you say, they said it's a skeleton key, so it's a, it opens any door. So maybe mm. they already have. OK, yeah, maybe. But, yeah. Yeah. They they probably if they, if you come to the derelict mansion you're going to replace all the door locks and yeah. stuff like I that. Say, I mean unless you're doing going for like the the super retro tech meaning no technology other than you know basic all those doors by the twenty twenty fourth twenty fifth century are going to have you know <laughs> bio scanners anyways right. so mm-hmm. ring door locks uh yeah. so uh you that's when Q shows up and congratulates them you've accepted your fate you've accepted you. You chose the Jean-Luc you are. You've absolved yourself. Maybe now you'll give the future you the chance to be loved. So that's mm-hmm. 
so Q reveals like the whole point was is Picard w- was lonely and making mm-hmm. himself lonely mm-hmm. is a punishment. He also quotes the famous uh, aphorism "Know thyself," which was yes. from on the Temple of Apollo at Delphi. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And the, the, you mentioned uh, Q is going to send them home as his final act. Rios decides to stay, which is uh, I hope that apparently it does work out with Teresa. But man, that's that's risking a lot on this just woman you just met <laughs> three days ago. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. if it doesn't work out, you're stuck in the 21st century alone, dude. Yeah, uh, that's just the opposite of, of uh, Kirk's love interest that gets stuck in the 23rd century. So yeah, Jillian, century. yeah, yeah. Um, we we do have a nice on-screen acknowledgement as Q is talking to Picard, um, you know, after he's hidden the key. And Picard is like, why me? And and, and why this? Why are you doing this? And, and Q is explicit with him and says, because it matters to me. You matter to me. Mm, yes. I like that. Yeah. The, it really, it really changes everything. We've thought about Q. I mean, if it, 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 I mean, for for some people have thought about Q, perhaps. Uh, mm-hmm. But the 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 outward you know vision of Q in the past was just like annoying Loki figure, uh, you know, mischief, mm-hmm. the god of mischief. Uh, but this he becomes a friend, uh, a helper, you know, guardian angel in, in some in some ways. Um, please God, and let my Very guardian angel not be like guardian you. Angel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very mischievous guardian angel. Yeah. Um, I'm sad that Rio stays behind. Not that I knew thought he would end up in a in third season of Picard, but I just like the character. Mm-hmm. I, I really and I like the idea of him on the on the Stargazer as a captain. There would be some fun stories like with Rios as captain of the Stargazer, chopping his cigar, you know, kind of running I, around the universe. He it reminds me a lot of um Peter David's uh, novel series about the USS Destiny, and I forget the name of the captain on that, but it was he was sort of that kind of character, half piratical almost uh, character. Yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of sad to see. Now, you, know, you know, if if Rios had gone to the Back to the Future, he would he'd be coming coming out with like cases of cigars. <laughs> yes, not not even like little boxes. Like he'd have crates of yeah. cigars I, that he'd I, take with I, him. I beamed through Havana on my way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, because they established the cigars taste better in the 21st century. Yes, yes, it's real. Um, Picard tells Q that he doesn't go alone. That's the that's the whole point of this. That he's not leaving alone. No one, no one leaves alone. Um, and that's when they return to the future to the moment just before the self destruct. And of course, Picard waits around as it. T- clicks down and stops it at the last second. It, well, at least <laughs> third actually, to last. he's yeah. third to last. He stops it at the third second, which is yeah. at least mm-hmm. better than the cliche of waiting to the first. <laughs> yes. Like, why? <laughs> like, what is the false drama? Oh, no, he's going to let it happen. No one believes that it's actually going to happen again. At least so, there's not the big red button that doesn't stop till one. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get the Queen Agnes reveal. Um, the, and then we get galactic threat out of nowhere, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, great, giant space anomaly, gonna kill a quadrant. Yeah, whatever. Okay, go back to discovery. Yeah, and then we do, do and then we just stop it. Like two minutes later, we've stopped this giant threat to the quadrant. Uh, yeah. Like, oh, uh, the galactic level of threat, and then gone. Like that's yeah. a, a whip a head snapper. Um, yeah. so. <laughs> The uh, they need all the ships. They work in concert. Picard gives seven the field commission to captain of the Stargazer as admiral, which kind of closes the loop on what Rafi had been telling her earlier about. Mm-hmm. You know, you would have made a good captain. And uh, we, no. have a, we have a we have a an fascinating line from Seven, where she gets on the she she tells the communications officer to get on the phone to all the other. Uh, captains in the fleet because they need to let the Borg harmonize their shields. And so, um, which is what the Borg were trying to do back in episode mm-hmm. one. They, that's mm-hmm. why they needed to. It's like, can't talk now. Got to do this. And yeah. <laughs> because of the galactic threat that they were aware of that they didn't tell the audience about. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were trying to network all of the ships so they could bring their shields into harmony to deflect this blast from this thing or absorb this blast from this thing. And so Seven, uh, now in command of the Stargazer, turns to the communications officer and says, tell them do not resist. 
And it's yeah. like, okay, that's just what is going to convince them not to resist. Yeah. Having the <laughs> former Borg, now captain of the Stargazer, working with the Borg, telling him not to resist. That's going <laughs> to inspire confidence. <laughs> so uh, then we have uh, the J.J. Abrams-like moment where everyone and all the planets in the sector all at once see the same anomaly in their sky from mm. hundreds of light years away or dozens even. That doesn't. That's not how it works. That is not how science works. Stop doing they that. They wanted. They wanted the Star Wars scene, you know, of the, the revised ending of a uh, Return of the Jedi, where the fireworks going off and all the planets and everybody's celebrating at the same time. Well, and, it's just like the like everybody sees this anomaly in the sky. It wouldn't happen for like you wouldn't de- decades, centuries yeah. even. Well, yeah. you could all you can headcanon those as flash forwards, decades. Uh, okay. But, but what struck yeah. me about this ending is, oh, great, another console ending where we've 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 just uh, done something of a technical nature with our consoles. And now we just stand here watching a screen for the yeah. finale. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, as you said, some somebody has made a trans transwarp conduit unlike any others. This is as a reminder, the this is how the Borg. Uh, move around faster than light is they use transrope conduits. The Voyager used one to get back from the Delta Quadrant, that sort of thing. But this isn't a Borg one. And Agnes says it's a threat and requests provisional membership in the Federation so the Borg can remain to guard the this gate. Uh, they are the Night Watch if <laughs> from the Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, they stand on the wall and watch. Uh, and uh, yeah. At least it wasn't some sort of transwarp conduit. Some some (laughs) sort of threat. Uh, Then we get, as you mentioned, we get to the bar where Guinan had a photo on the wall of Cristobal Rios and Teresa from the 21st century. Uh, They apparently founded this group called Mariposa where they go around bringing medical care to people in need. And she says, I know it was kind of risking things having this picture hanging up here all this time, but you were always more clever than observant. <laughs> yeah, like Picard. That. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> um, and it turns out that young Ricardo, Teresa's son, is he's the one who headed up the team that took the organism that Rene Picard brought back from Europa and and modified it to create whatever it is that they used to clean up the atmosphere and the oceans and save the planet uh, yeah. from the natural disaster stuff. And uh, uh, then Picard, at the end, goes back to the chateau, as you said. Well, actually, I want to mention something before we leave the bar, which is, um, well, a couple things. So uh, when Guinan is telling Picard about the fates of Crystal Ball and Teresa. Oh, yeah. um, She mentions, you know, how they died and stuff like that. And and um, and she she says that they founded a medical movement called the Mariposas and Mariposa is Spanish for butterfly. Yes, that's right. So there's an ironic name there. Yeah. Uh, Oh, also they give Elnor his first drink of something alcoholic. And like everyone who has their first drink of of alcohol, uh he's immediate, like immediately like, that is vile. Is it supposed <laughs> to be like that? But yes. <laughs> with his ultimate, with his ultimate candor. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, oh, and we do find out that uh, while Teresa dies of old age, that uh, Rios died in a bar fight in Morocco uh, over medical supplies. Yeah. Uh, his la- last breath appropriately into a cigar, which is good. <laughs> That's appropriate. Really for so as Guinan says, he died as he lived. Yes. Which is true of just about everybody. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and as you mentioned, Picard goes back to the chateau to find Laris's packed bags in the hallway and sees her and then goes and talks to her. But um, we don't we don't get the conversation. He just we, we get a little bit of it. He's yeah. fumbling his way to an apology for being uh, for being a, an insensitive jerk and try. Let's start over now. Yeah. Well, time doesn't give second chances. Perhaps people could, uh, although it. Apparently does give Dude, time. Just kiss, kiss her. Kiss <laughs> yeah, the kiss. girl. Stop okay? talking. <laughs> that that's gonna do a lot more for you than than all this talk. because <laughs> you you're Mr. Talk, and that's all you've been up to now is Mr. Talk. Do something finally. Yes. Kiss her with your robot lips. <laughs> I I'm reminded of that guy from uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Ah, kiss her, will you already? Yeah. <laughs> you just wasted on the young, and he's not even all that young. Although Technically, he might be three months old. 
Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, uh, so Picard that's uh, in his that, robot body. Yes, Picard the robot body. So, uh, that's it for the episode, and now it's a chance for you and I to talk about uh, what mm-hmm. we thought of this season. So, what did you think of the season? I enjoyed it more than the second, at least on first, the first. watch. I mean, I enjoyed it more than the first. Yeah. yeah. Um, I acknowledge that it could. I wouldn't cut it down to five. I, I might trim a little bit, um, but and there are things that need to be explained better. But I think I liked it more than Father Corey did. Um, I, I I could see shortening it to eight episodes, you know, um, mm-hmm. because like and a couple of the episodes were short ones anyway. They were like 40 minutes long or even a little bit less than that. And so I think you could have trimmed it a little bit, but I also would have explained. I, I don't know that I actually would end up trimming it because I probably would have shifted that time to explaining some of the things yeah. that they that they kind of went over very quickly. Um, but I would say that I enjoyed it much more than I expected to once I realized how much of it was going to be spent in the 21st century. Early on, people will recall perhaps from our reviews where I said, you know, before they got to the 21st century, they're, they're going to the 21st century and... I don't know that I want to spend eight episodes there. And and it ended up being more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was better than other time travel episodes to contemporary times that I've seen them do. I kind of wish that we had shifted some of the like the length of the season was fine to me, like you said, except I would have shifted more of the time spent in the back in the 24th century. And instead of this quickly, the three minute galactic. <laughs> disturbance yeah. and solution spent well, a whole episode on that and they could have pulled all that forward into the first episode or two yeah and and had the audience understand it's like and thinking oh we've got this double threat the borg are here they're taking stuff over and we and there's this galactic thing that's about to blow a, a light year from here or whatever um and and then the threat would not just suddenly come out of nowhere in the final 10 minutes of the final episode. Right. Right. Yeah. We, we wrapped up the fact it does come out and they even point to we're leave. We're going to stay here and guard this thing. Okay. Because someday a threat is going to come out of it. Well, okay. (laughs) That's obviously going to be season three. Right. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yeah. And I mean, the fact that Sung's the resolution of the whole Sung thing took place in, you know, five minutes or so, you know, all those things could have, we could have spent a little more time on, Mm -hmm. on those and less time in that middle dragging parts uh, where, Mm -hmm. where, uh, like just that whole thing with the FBI agent felt a little, Tacked on, tacked on and dragged out like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, but in general, overall, and so that's, that's, I have quibbles with how they organized it mm-hmm. overall. I enjoyed the story. I liked the resolution better than I liked seasons one's resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like the, yeah. Giant wavy doc Ock arms come out of a space warp and then go back in. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so yeah, I think, uh, overall, I was I was pretty happy with it um with 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 the season and I, I think um better than season 1 and maybe mm-hmm. season 3 will be even better so mm-hmm. With that. Yeah, speaking of season three, so I have in my notes my predictions for season three. Okay. Uh, it will be, and I could be completely wrong about all this, but just looking at the evidence at hand currently, um, my notes say confidential funding report from 1996, Project Con. So that's yep. going to be involved. Threat comes barreling out of the transwarp conduit, at least temporarily overwhelming Queen Agnes and the Borg Guardians, who are now provisional members of the Federation. The next gen crew is reunited to fight them except for Wesley. Possibly the threat is genetic augments created by Adam Sung and possibly Wesley and Corey return to help fight the threat. Did we ever finish everything having to do with the Romulans and the Borg cube and that Romulan mythology? No, nope. nope, that was all. That's all. So, dude, that's so season one. <laughs> just like, I wonder though, like, are we ever going to come back to that? That's because it just was kind of dropped there and never resolved. And they they were making a big deal out of it. I I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it would. So something happened to the Borg. Yeah. And that crippled this cube that then got exploited over 20 years by Federation and Romulans. Yeah. Um, and they may. I mean, they 
they kind of implicitly promise the audience, we're going to explain what happened to this thing. Um, and it, and since season three has been announced as the last, I hope that they come back to that and explain it. It may be the same threat. Right. You know, um, but we'll have to see. Okay. It'll be interesting. I, I would hope. I mean, that would be, that would be a real mm-hmm. cop out if they don't. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's move on to our feedback, if, shall we? Uh, oh, sure. We've got uh, f- uh, two pieces of feedback. One, first one is Casey via email who writes, uh, Hey guys, I've enjoyed picking apart this season of Picard with you. Really looking forward to Strange New Worlds. Not sure if you all mentioned this this season of the podcast, but of course, we've got these mysterious Watcher figures in Picard. I believe the concept of Watchers was quite big in Second Temple Jewish writings and works like Second Enoch. I don't know much about First them. Enoch. But, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about them, but I do believe they were some sort of angelic beings. Curious if the writers drew upon this. So, Jimmy, what do you, what do you know about this? Well, yeah, and actually um, the idea of Watchers goes back farther of the kind that uh, – Casey's mentioning goes back farther than Second Temple Judaism. Um, they were also found, and apparently where Second Temple Judaism got them was, uh, oh, I probably should explain that. So as you would expect, Second Temple Judaism is the period in which the Second Temple was in operation. And so it's after the Babylonian exile up through the time of Jesus to the destruction of the Second Temple in A.D. 70. Um, and there is various literature written in this period, including First Enoch and maybe Second Enoch and so forth, that is not part of the Bible, or at least normal Bibles. Although if you go to uh, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, you do have First Enoch in your Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are these angelic figures known as watchers uh, that feature in this literature and are connected with the Great Flood and the Nephilim and so forth. Check out the episode of Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World on the Nephilim if you want more information on that. Uh, But they are paralleled and apparently the idea of them to some extent originally goes back to uh, ancient Mesopotamia, where the Babylonians had a similar concept of watchers. They, as the name suggests... They are guardians. You know, they watch. They're watchmen. They watch mm-hmm. for danger. So they're these angelic watchmen or angelic guardians and um, or heavenly guardians in the uh, Babylonian scheme, since they don't really have the same concept of angels as messengers. Um, and people would make little statuettes of them and bury them in the foundations of their houses or other buildings to guard the house. Mm. Um, and, and so this is a common concept. Basically, they're just heavenly watchmen or heavenly guards. And, um, and that's what, uh, Talin is doing is she's guarding Renee. Um, it's possible that the writers knew about this and it's a conscious reference, but I think it's also possible that they just, um, they just, call them watchers, not because they're aware of the biblical background here or Second Temple background here, but because um, because it's just another way of saying watchman or guardian. Mm. Uh, that's why we have, I mean, we have guards in every society, so we have watchers in every society. And it, I'm not, it's possible that they are picking this up from Second Temple literature, but I think it's also possible it, it's independent of that. Yeah, I think the the TV series Highlander, if you remember that one, based on the mm-hmm. the immortals who <laughs> kill each other with swords. Uh, there can be only one. There could be only one. Uh, and there were watchers in that. There were uh, people, regular humans, who were watching and chronicling the activities of these immortal beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so watcher as a concept is is universal. Is it's just watch is a common verb because humans are creatures that rely primarily on the sense of vision. Mm-hmm. If we were dogs, the equivalent would be smellers. <laughs> smellers. <laughs> All right. There so is our- a go back to the year 2021 2024. Woof. There will be a smeller. <laughs> <laughs> so our second uh, bit of feedback comes from Davo, uh, who writes, I, hi there, gentlemen. Davo here from Melbourne, Australia, longtime podcast listener, first time emailer. Thoroughly enjoy Secrets of Star Trek and Secrets of Stargate. In relation to Picard season two story arc regarding Picard's issues with his mother, I'm just wondering if you guys are aware of Patrick Stewart's personal issues surrounding his father's shell shock from World War II 
and the domestic abuse he inflicted on Patrick's mother when Patrick was a child. Patrick Stewart discusses this on his episode of Who Do You Think You Are, uh, which I think is a TV show. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how this season of Picard touches on the character dealing with something that was real in the actor's life. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm aware of a little bit of this. Um, and on YouTube, for people who want to look it up, Patrick Stewart does talk. I mean, you could look up like Patrick Stewart, Shell Shock or Patrick Stewart. Who do you think you are? And there are clips of him discussing this. Um, and apparently his father, after he came back from the war, did not recognize that he was suffering from what today we would call post-traumatic stress disorder. But he was he exhibited symptoms of it and was undiagnosed. And um, and apparently that led to a domestic abuse situation that I, I don't have a lot of detail about, but uh, Patrick Stewart was involved in, in the writing process for this series, at least at a high level. He had, he didn't write individual scripts, but he had concept approval and he pushed the, um, the writers and producers to explore new territory for his character. And that's why we've had a much more introspective kind of presentation of Picard than we got in Next Generation. And so it wouldn't be surprising to me for that to have come up in discussions with the producers as something that we could explore that would be personally meaningful to Patrick Stewart as an actor um, and how like his shifting per his perspective on his father would have had to shift from the time when he was a child and was embedded in the situation to his perspective as a mature adult, understanding what happened to his father to make him that way in the war and having a different perspective on the struggles that his father was going through that as a child he wouldn't have been aware of. You make a good point, by the way, which I've, I've been thinking about. And I don't know if we've actually brought up explicitly before in our discussion of the series, but mm -hmm. this really is a series about Picard. It's an internal and, uh, uh, you know, uh, investigation, that's mm -hmm. not the right word, but an internal exploration of who sort of Jean Luc Picard is. Deconstruction yeah. and reconstruction. Yeah. 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 I mean, this, this captain, who, who is he? Why is he the way he is? Who could he become? It's not Star Trek The Next Generation, you know, returns. It's Jean Luc Picard. Who is he? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I like the name. That. Yeah. I mean, you could have done it with Kirk or Cisco mm -hmm. or something like that it would be interesting. An explanation of the character, the person. Mm hmm. Well, thank you both to Davo and Casey yeah. for, for your uh, feedback. We love getting feedback. So as we wrap up, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Rob L., Joseph H., Tony L., Gerardo E., and Greg C. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So we'd love to hear from you what you think of Star Trek Picard's season finale, Farewell. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Media, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. We'll be back next time and we'll be discussing the season premiere of the very new series, Strange New Worlds. Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for sharing with me the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you and live long and prosper. And uh, also thanks to Father Corey who had to go, but uh, we want to thank him as well for joining us. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, the reasons we tell people we don't love them are worthless. Worthless.